You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. Again, and uh, we, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are coming to the end of the church year. We have three Sundays left, including today. Sunday, December 3rd, will mark the beginning of the season of Advent, and that will also mark the beginning of a new church year. So as we wrap up the end of this church year, we turn our attention to the end. And specifically, I mean end times or what scripture more often calls the last day. And with this, we turn our attention also to this most fundamental part of our belief as Christians that Christ will one day return. We believe that Christ is going to return because He taught this very clearly and repeatedly. It uh, has been a belief of the church throughout the 2,000-year history of the church. Here's just one example among many. Uh, These are Jesus' words here. Matthew chapter 24. Uh, 24 and 25 are kind of the, the end times chapters. And here's what he says. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels in a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now those are red words, those are Jesus' words himself. But it wasn't just him that taught this, the early church taught this as well. The very first decades after Jesus died and rose again, Paul and the other apostles very clearly taught that Christ was going to return. This is what Paul wrote to the Christians who were in the city of Thessalonica. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So it's, it's pretty clear that the Christian church and we as Christians, we believe that Christ will come again. And there are many things that we believe about this, but here are two important aspects of this. We believe that this return is going to be sudden and that it is unpredictable. Jesus kind of tells parable after parable where this is the point. This is what he's trying to illustrate. He says everyone will be going about their normal business. He said it's going to be like the times of Noah when everyone was just living life and then suddenly things change. Two people will be 
in the field working and one will be taken. Two will be grinding wheat. I guess you could say in modern terms, two will be sitting in office cubicles at their desks or two will be in traffic. He says the day and the hour are unknown, so stay alert at all times. If you are uh, in the military service here, as many of our members are, you have been around it, you may have heard the phrase, fight tonight. Uh, The first time I heard this phrase was at a change of command ceremony at Yongsan Garrison. Some of you remember one of our church members, her name uh, is Lisa Franchetti, and she was a member here at ILC. She was also Rear Admiral in charge of all U.S. Naval forces on the Korean Peninsula. And uh, she was promoted, and she's been moving up the Navy food chain uh, since she left here. At that ceremony, someone called her a rising star in the U.S. Navy. But you would have never known that for when she was here, she was humble. You would have never known she was even in the military, let alone such a high-ranking officer. Anyway, I remember during her speech at that uh, change of command ceremony, she said, uh, she said this phrase, fight tonight. And she said, uh, we have to make sure that it's not just a phrase on a PowerPoint slide, but it's that something that people actually believe and that they're actually living. Fight tonight is something that the U.S. forces in Korea have constantly reminded themselves because... It's easy to become complacent. You may forget that war could break out and that you need to be prepared. You may be caught unprepared. After all, it's been 65 years since there was direct fighting. That's a long time to stay alert and be ready at all times. It's easy to become drowsy. It's easy to fall asleep like the young women in the gospel story. Are we ready with our lamps and with our oil? Are we all set to go? So they remember this phrase, fight tonight. Be ready in case the battle starts today. I guess they don't say fight today because that doesn't rhyme. So they say fight tonight. Now I see why they have to do that. Uh, I don't know... If you've been to Yongsan Garrison, if you've been to the base that's just on the other side of Itaewon here, I I have to be frank, it doesn't really look like fight tonight at that base. Uh, It looks like small town America when you go there. It looks like drop off the kids at school. It looks like go through the drive-thru and get some Popeye's chicken for dinner. It looks like take the kids to soccer practice or, or buy a plastic Christmas tree and put it up in the house. It doesn't really look like we are facing off against the fourth largest standing army on earth. When you go to Yongsan Garrison, there are families, there are children playing. People bring their pets all the way from America. I did that too. There's cars, there's everything. And when you are there, it doesn't really seem like war is possible. It doesn't really look like they're in that mindset. And this was 
the mindset that Jesus was trying to combat in his story as well. Be ready. Be watchful. Be prepared. The bridegroom may come tonight. So today's parable, by the way, is a scene of a wedding. I'm going to put this picture up because I like it better than just a text slide. The parable that Jesus was talking about was a wedding scene. But the wedding traditions that he talks about are kind of unfamiliar to us. So I think the story is a little bit hard to understand. Basically, the ten virgins in the story are bridesmaids. These are young women. They were probably teenagers, really. And their friend was the bride. She was the one who was about to be married. And these ten young women, they had a very important job. Their job was to be a part of the wedding procession walking with the bride to the bridegroom's house. And this happened often after dark, at night. Maybe he would be delayed because they're haggling over the dowry, the bride price, or something else would be going on. So this may not happen right away. You had to be prepared and ready to go when it was time. And they would have these torches that are prepared so that there would be enough light for this procession. And weddings were a very big deal back then. A wedding feast would last seven days. The local world where this wedding was happening would just kind of stop. Some research has shown that rabbis would stop teaching if there was a wedding going on. It's even possible that some of the religious requirements in the Torah, in the law, would be put off until after the wedding was over. Weddings were given priority. Even Jesus took time out of his own ministry in order to attend local weddings. So this wedding procession is a big deal. It made me recall something that happened when I was really young. My grandfather, David Hoffman, he died in 1989. And I remember the funeral. I was only nine years old at the time, but I remember it well. We were driving in a procession of cars, a funeral procession. And I think I was in the hearse, actually, not in the back, but I was, I, I remember thinking I was in a limousine. And I, now I realize I was probably in the hearse because I don't think there would have been a limousine there. And we came to a train track, uh, and we were in the country. This was, we went from a small town church, and we were driving out to a very rural cemetery. farmland everywhere. And we came to this train track, and there was a freight train coming, but the freight train was moving very slowly. I assumed that we would all have to stop and wait for the train to go by. But something happened that I never would have expected. The train stopped for us and allowed the funeral procession to go through. Trains never stop. Trains don't stop for anybody. Gene and I were watching cycling on TV, uh, European, you know, the bicycle races, and uh, the the peloton was coming, and they were all going, and suddenly the train thing came down, and all these cyclists were trying to go through. It was very dangerous, right? The train was coming, and they all tried to go through. Trains never stop, but they stopped 
for this procession. I guess they saw the importance of it, or they respected it. Maybe it's a different world back then. But this makes me think of what weddings were like in the ancient uh, Israel, ancient Palestine. These young women, they had to prepare their lamps. This was their one big job. Five were ready and prepared, and five were not. They were foolish. They, fo- they were foolish in the fact that they came with lights with no oil at all. They ran off to go buy some, and while they were gone, the groom came and the wedding feast began without them. They were shut out. When the moment finally arrived, they were left out. Now the point of the story is easy to know because Jesus gives the point in verse 13. He kind of says, Therefore, be ready, for the day and the hour are unknown. So I got to thinking, I guess I have a similar challenge to these uh, commanders in the U.S. forces Korea. I have to convince you that it could be tonight. I have to make the Apostles' Creed something more than a slogan on a PowerPoint slide. When we say we believe that Christ is at the right hand of the Father and that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, I hope that that actually means something and that it's not an empty slogan. That we believe, that we prepare. I read a story about a a businessman who was traveling and so he attended a church for the first time that he had never been to before. And at the end of the service, the pastor uh, came to the front and he's making some announcements. He announced that uh, you're all invited to the Sunday evening worship service. The theme was going to be uh, Jesus is coming. And so when he wrapped up and he was kind of reviewing his announcements, he said, so don't forget, Jesus is coming tonight at 7 (laughs) p.m. Now some people in the church kind of chuckled and they laughed a little bit and then the pastor realized what he had done. He, He accidentally predicted that Jesus was returning that night. And the pastor sort of laughed it off. It was all unintentional. But that businessman who was visiting, he kind of listened to that. And it made him think, that is what we believe, that it's possible that Jesus might come back tonight. And and, uh, am I ready? Are you ready? So this end of the church year, this serves as our reminder that we believe history is moving in a direction. That all the sadness and all the brokenness that we see in the world, that this will one day end. We don't believe in endless cycles of history. Instead, we believe that we are moving forward toward something. And for me, that gives me hope. An endless cycle doesn't give me hope. I have no hope that it will get better. A linear view of history that we have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and this end is going to be different, that gives me hope. Paul says, we do not grieve as others grieve. We grieve as those who have hope. Our hope is this. Christ will return. Those who have died will be raised to life. And we wait for it with anticipation. And we praise God that he will 
hopefully help us to stay alert and stay prepared. So I want to close with that verse from Thessalonians again, but this time I'm going to add the next one. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord.